Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, went up on the mountain, and sat down there. Great crowds came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the deformed, the mute, and many others. They placed them at his feet, and he cured them. The crowds were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the deformed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind able to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus summoned his disciples and said, my heart is moved with pity for the crowd, for they have, met, they have been with me now for three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry for fear they may collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, Where could we ever get enough bread in this deserted place to satisfy such a crowd? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few fish. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the, and the fish, gave thanks, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets full. The Gospel of the Lord. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. The question is this. When was the last time you cried? You don't have to answer. I don't need any hands, but just when was the last time you cried? Maybe for some of you, you cried yesterday or this morning. Maybe for others, it's been years or decades, right? Tears when we're kids, tears come really easily uh, as children, but like they seem to dry up the older we get. Even though, like, the things of life that hurt, the potentials for hurt, uh, they exponentially increase as we age. You know, maybe we were told as children, stop, stop your crying. Or we were given the message that our tears, our emotions, our hearts were uh, unwelcome. Or they were a hindrance, they were a liability, they were something that got in the way for our connection. Maybe you got the message, maybe you even said as parents, you can come back down when you're done crying. Like those tears have got to dry up. Or if you're a boy, you probably heard, stop it. Boys don't cry. Man up. Suck it up. Like none of, the, none of those messages, none of that is real. None of that's from the Father's heart. And the, the reason I'm bringing this up is, is because when you search the Scriptures, when you look at the Scriptures, when you look at... When you take an honest look at what's revealed in God's word is that, like, tears are all over the place. <laughs> they really are. They're all over the Psalms. They're all over the Gospels. They're all over the Old Testament. They're a normal part of this journey, it seems to be. There's an expectation that there's going to be tears. There's going to be crying. There's going to be crying out. There's going to be lamentation, right? I heard this from a doctor friend uh, not too long ago, but she was telling me that there's a chemical difference between tears that form when we get hurt, like physical pain, and tears that come in that way, 
versus tears that uh, are shed when we're in emotional distress, that there are certain toxins in the body that can only be released via the tear ducts that come about when we're in emotional distress. Those tears are very different than the tears of pain. St. Thomas Aquinas, right, who's the angelic doctor, the doctor of all the doctors, the smartest, one of the smartest men who's probably ever lived, when he was writing about uh, his, what he suggested for remedies for sadness, he gave about five different remedies for sadness. And you know, none of them were like pray a rosary, pray a novena, go to mass, go to adoration, go to confession. None of them were spiritual things, right? The first one was indulge in something that you normally don't get to enjoy. Like it's Aquinas' way of saying you should have some chocolate, right? The second one is you should cry. You should let yourself cry. He also has in there, take a bath, have a glass of wine, which, I mean, come on now, right? But the second one on this list is you should cry. You need to cry. All right, why am I talking about all of this? Because in the first reading we have from Isaiah, we hear this, that on the Lord's mountain, right, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. I know this doesn't sound or seem extraordinary, but sit with this for a while, and I promise you eventually it will, it will just knock you over. It's not true that there will be no crying in heaven, that there will be no tears in heaven. I'm thinking right now, uh, I just got Tom Hanks just popped in my mind, right? There's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in heaven, right? That's not true. That is not true. It's not true that there will be no tears in heaven. It's right there that the tears will be wiped away. Like what's true is that the tears won't dry up, they don't exist. What's true is that every tear will be attended to. Every tear will be attended to. Part of the reason why we stop crying in this life is that nobody came to meet us. Nobody met us in our pain. Nobody ran to us. Our tears, our pain were not met with love. That's why we stop crying. And this stretches, like I said, all the way back to our childhood, to, to memories that we as strong, sophisticated adults, memories that we have labeled as silly or childish, that we've just kind of put, uh, yeah, put the label on it and just dismissed it, when in fact those memories are so profoundly significant. Like when your dog, like your first dog died and you were told by your dad, stop crying. Or when your best friend moved away and no one came up to your room, when your brother made fun of you, when that girl rejected you. Like, look, I, like, I, don't, know what the, I don't know what the memories are in your story. I know what they are in my story. I know, there's plenty of them. I know what these moments are. Places where I needed to be loved, where I wasn't loved, where I wasn't met with love in my pain, right? Like when my tears were unattended to. That's the thing, right? You've heard me say this before, but like a huge part of the spiritual life, a huge part of the spiritual journey is going back to those places, right? Christ is the redeemer of man, John Paul II says, St. Paul says. He's the redeemer of man, that he's going to go back and untwist and heal and redeem everything 
not just the bright spots, not just the good spots. He wants to go back and touch every detail, everything, right? A huge part of the spiritual life is to go back in, like, into the memories with the Holy Spirit. Say, like, Holy Spirit, show me. Jesus, show me where you were when that happened. Show me where you were. Show me what you were doing. Show me how you were responding. Show me what your heart was doing right there. Like, Lord, put your love, you should put your mercy and your tenderness right there. Like, there are many of us, I think, who have a lot of old tears in our hearts that we've yet to cry. Like, that little boy, that little girl in your heart, like, is still waiting. There's lots of moments where we're still waiting to be loved, waiting to receive love. So I just want to encourage us, again, in this Advent journey, like the Lord, the Word, wants to press itself into our flesh. Right? It's the Word made flesh. The movement is God always into the flesh, into your flesh, into your story, into your heart. To open those places and just to maybe look at those moments that like you've labeled and dismissed. Lord, show me what you're doing Meet me with love in a place right there where I did not receive or experience love. And that's what transforms us. Amen.